Well, we are wrapping up a series on God's favor. And so if you've been with us for the past five or six weeks, you'll know that Pastor Bill started uh, a series entitled The Favor of God. And he asked me if I would wrap up that series because starting next week, we're going to start a series on the parables. And I'm excited uh, to not only listen to Bill and his team, but to be a part of that as well. As I was thinking about when Bill asked me, you know, just wrap up the series, what else is there to be said? Because here's what was said so far. Uh, God showed such favor, not because mankind was worthy of it, but to the contrary, despite mankind's utter sinfulness. Someone said the grace of God is given at his will and for his purpose. What a privilege as a believer to be a part of the ripple effect of God's favor. I like that. Uh, His favor is on all his followers, whether in the prison, in the palace. It's all working together for good, even when we can't yet see it. God's favor is the one that supersedes any value money could ever present to us. His kindness and grace that is lavished upon us simply because of the nature of who he is is something no amount of earthly riches or gold could ever come close to. I like that. How about this one? God asks for loyalty, and in return, he favors us with protection, blessings, and care. Do not confuse a mistake with betrayal. We do not need to be perfect, for we have forgiveness in Christ, but our hearts should belong to him and no other. And those quotes were found right in this book that many of you followed, Jennifer and I followed along, as many of you did. This is from The Bill Miter. That quote came from him. Uh, our women's ministry director, Tina Schuler, gave us this one. Um, this was from Pastor Brandon. Uh, my own nephew, Ryan, gave us this one, the youth uh, director here. And then Pastor Frank, our children's director, gave us, uh, children's pastor gave us this one. Those all came from this book. So I hope over the past five or six weeks, we've all been enjoying reading those devotions. And now it's time to wrap this series up. And so Bill said, what do you want to talk about? And I thought there's not much more to say other than if the God of all creation is willing to give me his favor, not only do I want it, but I want to share it with others. Why wouldn't I? And so what I wanted to discuss with you this morning is just answering three very, very basic questions. And that is, is this why I share God's favor? Where do I share God's favor? And how do I share God's favor? Why share God's favor? First, because not everyone is granted God's favor. Now, for some of you, if you recall back onto five or six weeks ago when Pastor Bill started this series, he said just the opposite, that everyone is given God's favor. And here I am six weeks later saying, not everyone is granted God's favor. And he who has the mic wins. Bill and I are very much on the same page because what Bill had mentioned and what I want to talk about this morning, folks, really is I want to align and I want to intertwine God's favor with the gospel. I don't think they're to be separated. And what Bill mentioned five or six weeks ago was that God gives every person on this planet what we would call common favor. And so in light of the gospel, what I would refer to that as as common grace. Author Sam Storms says it this way. He says that that common favor or common grace includes 
all undeserved blessings that natural man receives from the hand of God, including rain and sun, prosperity, health, happiness, natural capacities and gifts, sin being restrained from complete dominion. But the one favor, the one common grace that the unbeliever is not afforded by God is saving grace or saving favor, which not only amounts to an eternity apart from God if you don't have his saving faith, uh, grace or saving favor, but it also, in my opinion, leads to a less fulfilling life this side of heaven. Why would I say that? I, I like this particular definition of God's favor, and that is his demonstrated delight. I like that. That when God demonstrates his delight on you, it's more than just giving you rain and sunshine and prosperity and good health. It's the God of all creation saying to you, you have my demonstrated delight. I delight in you. Now, I'm curious by nature, and so the, 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 I, it begs the question, God, why? Why would you have demonstrated delight in me? Um, and so I turned to the Bible and I, and, and I found these passages, Genesis chapter one, all the way back in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and the darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. So way back in Genesis, Moses writes to us that God the Father and God the Holy Spirit were present when? In the creation of the world. Then in Colossians chapter one, if we fast forward to what Paul says to us, for by him, and I put the parenthesis in there for context sake, but it is accurate, all things Jesus created both in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible, thrones and dominions, rulers and authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Now, go back to Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God the Father created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. In Colossians one, Jesus created everything. And so what we have here is the perfect illustration of the Trinity, that, that, that God is the Spirit, God is the Son, God is the Father, but the Spirit is not the Son, the Son is not the Father, and the Father is not the Spirit. But in the beginning, all three were actively creating. Does that make sense to you? And you may think, well, Greg, you just went off the rails there because we were talking about God's favor. Now you're talking about the Trinity. Marry these two things. Here's how I marry them. Why does God need you? I mean, really, honestly, ex nihilo, before there was anything, there was nothing, there was the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were perfectly fine before we came along. It, often we think, it, just in some bizarro world, that I'm a value add to God's kingdom. Have you ever thought that? No one's raising their hand, but you know you've thought there was a point, God, where I said something or did something or ministered in such a way or helped someone where I kind of pat myself on the shoulder and say, you're welcome, God. <laughs> and I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, the older you get, the more you realize. That's why Paul says, I'm the for chief foremost sinner of all. When you become a new believer in Jesus, you do have this, this energy and this thought that, man, we're all in this together. But the older we get, the more we realize I sin more than I don't. And God save, but for your grace alone, 
your demonstrated delight in me. I'm not a value add to your kingdom. I, I probably hurt more than I helped the kingdom, God. And you were doing just fine with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So why, God, why would you give your saving favor to me? The answer is found in Romans chapter five, but God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The only reason I can concoct is that he loves you. That's it. There is nothing else to the gospel. God loves you enough to demonstrate his delight toward you. And then when he saves you, he continues that delight till you die. Then he continues it forever. So why would I want to share the message of God's favor? Because not everyone is granted God's favor. Including us, we, weren't, we don't deserve God's favor. But if you know God, he gave it to you. So why wouldn't I want to share it with others? I like what Tozer said. Tozer said, we need never shout across the spaces to an absent God. He is nearer than our own soul. He is closer than our own soul, closer than our most secret thought. And then Francis Chan says, it's an insane statement to say that the eternal creator of this universe is in love with me. That's an insane statement, honestly. There is a response that ought to take place in believers, and that is a crazy reaction to his love. Do you have that crazy reaction to the God of all creation who wanted to demonstrate his delight toward you? Do I have that reaction? Um, I, I like this picture. Jennifer and I, my wife Jennifer and I, were both educators over at Valley Christian uh, schools, and we took our seniors on a senior trip a couple weeks ago, this last hurrah, and I showed them this picture, and I said, I love this picture for two reasons. Number one, back in my glory days, I would like to have been that guy. <laughs> and I say that unashamedly. To, to, to be on the side of a cliff with no shirt on, That time came and passed and, and those shoes, I mean, it just looks cool, doesn't it? It's just a cool picture. But I said for the second reason, the reason I really like that picture is because of the backdrop with the valley below and the lakes and everything. And it just, for me, folks, it says, look how small we are doesn't it? Like he's one misstep away, one slightly misgrab away from meeting his creator. Isn't he? Like, like somehow we think like we're the apex of God's creation. All of life revolves around me. And then I see a picture like that. And I think the rock's not going to care if you have a misstep. <laughs> right? And, and, and so, so to those of us who are God's children, I just love the fact that this side of heaven, we can share God's favor with others because we don't deserve his favor. And so we'll spend our days growing in maturity and growing in our faith. I just want us to consider that when all is said and done and we meet God face to face, I think it's well within his reason to have a conversation with us that will go something like this. Greg, who, do you, who did you share my favor with? Not my common favor, 
that it's a nice day out today. It's nice and sunny, isn't it, Bob? It's a nice, glad you bought a new car, Jim. Not that kind of favor. Who did you share my saving favor with? Like names and addresses, talk to me, Greg. Who did you share my saving favor with? And so, and so, so not everyone is granted God's favor. That's why I want to share his favor. But the second reason is because not everyone is going to know God in such a way where there aren't consequences. In other words, why wouldn't I want to share his favor? And when I've thought about, God, why, won't I, why, why don't I share your favor more than I do? Why don't I share the gospel more than I do? I came up with three reasons why I really, why honestly, if I'm being honest with you, why I don't do it more than I should do it. Um, the first reason is I don't want to do it. I'll take, I'll die, I'll fall on the sword for that one. I don't want to do it. Here, and I'm not alone, by the way. Look at this. The vast majority of pastors, 85% believe missions is a mandate for all Christians. Among practicing Christians, that number falls to 42%. And for all Christians, that number drops to 25%. I'm not alone in that. That there's a majority, there is a healthy majority of us here as Christendom, as Christians that say that's somebody else's job. I, I really just don't, I don't have the, the, the capacity, the skill set, the, the desire to do it. That's somebody else's job. And yet I juxtapose that against Acts 1-8 where Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. Telling everyone about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends of the earth. In fact, he says it once again in Matthew 18, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and law I'm with you always to the end of the age. So, 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 so why share? Why wouldn't I? Well, I don't want to, but God says, well, you're commanded to. Well, God, I don't want to. Well, I'm, you're commanded to. That alone should motivate me to share God's favor. But additionally, I would say one of the reasons I don't share God's favor is because I really don't sit in the consequences of not sharing his favor. And what I mean by that is, folks, there is a literal heaven and a literal hell. And if you don't have God's saving favor in your life, you will spend an eternity apart from him. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, and I saw a great throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. So John, the apostle John is on the island of Patmos. He gets lifted up into heaven in a vision and he sees what you and I have not seen yet, which is what's going on in heaven. And so he sees a throne, he sees heaven and earth fleeing away and no place was found for them. And then I saw the dead, the great and the small standing before the throne and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead, which were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead, which were in them and they were judged. Now we read up to that point and we think, well, that's fine. I mean, John's experiencing something here, but I don't see how that really relates to me. Okay. Every one of them, according to their deeds and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. My son, I've, Jennifer and I have five children. One of them just graduated high school, Bailey and Bailey and I were talking last night and I said, Bailey, tell me something that's both simple and complex. And Bailey, without even thinking about it, said the Bible. And now I think he was guessing at that, but he's right. 
The Bible is both simple and complex. Here's how it's simple. You tell me the verse 15 in yellow there, what else that could mean other than there was a book and names were written in it. And if your name's not written in it, you are thrown into the lake of fire. I don't know how else to interpret that. Jesus comes along in Matthew and Mark and says that the hell is referred to as eternal punishment, as a fiery furnace, where there, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the fire never goes out, their worm does not die, and their fire is never quenched. I should have put those in red letters because those are from Jesus' mouth himself. Now, we can spend a long time, if you would like, talking about the literal of hell, or if Jesus was just being figurative here. But guys, I can promise you this. If you read Genesis through Revelation, you will not find one, not one verse that supports hell being a fun or entertaining or less torturous place. Whether it has literal flames, I guess we can talk about that over coffee. I just know this. Hell is never mentioned in the Bible as a place you want to even come close to going. Not for a second. You don't want a t-shirt that says, I've been to hell and back. Like no one, like there's nothing in the Bible that supports the idea that hell won't be hell. <laughs> nothing. So if you take a posture or a position of, well, Jesus wasn't being literal here. I know this. The king of kings himself said, this is a place you don't want to go to. And so, so I'm commanded to share God's favor. There are consequences to those who don't have God's saving favor. In fact, the story is told of Colonel Robert Ingersoll. I like this story. He's an agnostic lecturer, and he was to give a lecture on hell and to prove conclusively that hell was just some wild dream of some scheming theologians who invented it to terrify ordinary people. And as he was launching into his lecture, a half-drunken man arose from the audience and said this. He said, make it strong, Bob. There's a lot of us poor fellows depending on you. If you're wrong, we're all lost. See, everyone wants to come alongside the believer and say, well, hell is just, you know, that's just made up and whatnot. They have to prove that as well. For as much as you need to prove that there's a literal heaven and a literal hell, they would need to prove there's not. And I'm just not willing to leverage my eternity on the fact that there might be a literal heaven and a literal hell. And if that is true, if your name's not written in the book of life, folks, I just don't know what else to tell you. You're not spending forever with God. So I'm commanded to tell people the consequences are grave, but maybe the last reason is the reason that we should do it. And that is when I share God's favor with others, my faith increases that it's a catalyst for growth in my faith. Can I just say the number one reason, honestly, I don't share my faith with people is because I'm afraid. That's the number one reason. If I'm being straight up honest, it's because I fear man. And maybe you feel that way as well. Can I just encourage you with these verses from the Bible? In Joshua, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid. Don't, don't, don't be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I love this out of Psalms. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I won't fear evil. For you're with me, God. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Maybe my favorite is Psalm 118. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. Like declaring, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? What are we afraid of, folks? Honestly, the loss of a relationship, the loss of an occupation, the threat from someone. What can mere mortals honestly do to you? We have, we, we, we have something on the line that I believe when we step out and share God's favor with people, it stiffens our spine. It, it draws us into God and says, God, I need that courage. I need that strength because this is going to be a difficult conversation. And God says, I'm right here. And, and so, so, so why should I do it? Because not everyone is granted God's saving favor. And honestly, why wouldn't I do it? But the question then is, where do I do it? And the answer is simply this, everywhere. <laughs> where should I share God's favor? Everywhere but heaven. Why? Because we don't need it in heaven. You're not knocking on someone's mansion in heaven. Hey, do you know Jesus? <laughs> the question we're asking is, where is Jesus? Oh, he's right around the corner. He's right over there. Go talk to him. Right, so, so, so I, I love this passage out of, um, uh, out of Acts. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Okay, so that was Acts 16, 25. So Paul and Silas are in prison and they're just praising God. They're singing and praising God. Now watch this, five verses later, a jailer who saw them praising God comes up to Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas both said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. The reason I love that passage is because the jailer doesn't come up to Paul and ask him, what do I need to do to be saved? Unless he thinks Paul has what? The answer. Now, why would he think Paul has the answer? Because he heard them praying and singing. In other words, if Paul and Silas aren't praying and singing, the jailer's not asking. So I have to ask you, do your coworkers know you love the Lord? Because they've seen you pray and sing or read your Bible or talk about church or just live the Christian life. Do your college roommates know you love the Lord? Do your, do your, do your neighbors know you love the Lord? And, and, and sometimes we, we look at this and say, Greg, are you honestly saying that my workplace is a place to share God's favor? Do you really think, and I'm saying yes, I really do think your workplace is the place to share God's favor. Why? Listen, the best person to share God's favor with an engineer is an engineer. I don't get engineers. My father-in-law's one, my brother-in-law's one. You should listen to the depth of our conversations when they know I'm not an engineer. But engineers love engineers, man. The best person to share God's favor with a pilot is the co-pilot. You're not going anywhere for five hours. You're in a seat right next to each other. The, the best person to share God's favor with an ASU student on that campus is an ASU student. 
Folks, I look around the room, Lord love you, uh, we're a little older than ASU students. We're not going onto that campus anytime soon, and they're gonna say, you get me. You know what it's like. But who better to do it than an ASU student? Who does get them? Who does know what that's like? And yet, my thought is, you're about to say out loud what you're thinking right now is, what, Greg, I understand why I need to share God's favor, appreciate the fact, share it everywhere but heaven, but I gotta be honest with you, Greg, you have no, you don't even know my situation. I work in the public school. I was told emphatically by my boss, you will never share your religion at this work. You know, you just don't get it, Greg. You don't know how volatile it would be. So I've got to turn back to scripture and say, well, I don't know. Um, Noah was told to build an ark out of nothing and bring animals onto it. You don't think he got bullied every single day? It wasn't even raining. Noah, what are you doing? I'm building an ark. For what? God told me it was going to rain. Okay. Daniel got thrown into a lion's den. I mean, I'm being serious here. Esther had to go before the king, risk her life. She told her cousin Mordecai, listen, if I perish after this conversation, I perish. That's the way it's going to go. But she still went. Almost every one of the prophets risked. Almost every one of the apostles risked. The apostle Paul risked. So I'm not sure that you and I are going to die and get to heaven and sit before Noah or Daniel or Esther and say, well, you don't know my situation. <laughs> they may have a one-up on us a little bit, right? Uh, I, 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 here's your $3 illustration. See, there's, there's purple um, twine or whatever all around this auditorium. You probably didn't notice it when you sat down. And now for some of you, you won't stop staring at it. It really is. It's literally all around this whole building. And I put that up there to demonstrate, as cheesy as this is, that's eternity. Honestly, that's eternity, folks. And right over here, sir, you can testify, right by that windowsill on the left-hand side, there's a little black dot, right? Can I, get a, can I get an amen? Can I get a witness, right? That, there's a little black dot there. That's your life. You can share God's favor everywhere, but heaven, guys, you can't share God's favor in heaven. We don't need it. The time to do it is now. The little black dot that represents our little 75 years that God gives us on this planet, that's the time to do it. Not when we get to heaven and rejoice with all the saints. So the question is, am I doing it? And when I, when I launch into this aggressive, God, you just don't know my situation, I just have to wonder, is that the best we've got? See, I think personally, sometimes we lean a little too close to, well, I think it'll go south if I do it, but I've never done it. I wonder, should you do it? Should you try? Um, so, so, I don't know, this may get me in trouble, but here we go. Um, so, Five, six years ago, I can't remember when exactly, but I'm driving home. I'm not uh, a big God talks to me audibly, but I was driving home during the summer. I wasn't teaching at that point um, in class and the Holy Spirit kind of impressed me. I'll leave it at that. And it went something along, along the lines of, this was back in the day when there were some undercover videos that went into Planned Parenthoods and they found out that Planned Parenthood was selling body parts. 
Okay, you may have recalled that. You can look it up. These are not hypotheses. These are facts. And so, so Planned Parenthood was aborting babies and they were taking the parts and they were selling them to research companies. And they have evidence of this ad nauseum, okay? And so I was driving home from, uh, from wherever. Jen was out doing, dealing with the kids. And, um, and I've just felt the Holy Spirit impress upon me. Go do something about that. So I drove to work. I said, what do you want me to do about it, God? And, and, and so I drove to work. I got some butcher paper. And I wrote this sign that said, Planned Parenthood sells body parts. And that's our baby parts. And then I drove to a Planned Parenthood. I had to look one up. I found one on Ray and Alma School. And I drove over there in a strip mall. And I just stood out there with a sign. I didn't know, I didn't say anything. I, my purpose was not to say anything. It wasn't to block an entrance or anything. So I stood about 50 feet away from the building and I just stood out there with a sign. I'm there for about 20 minutes and people are either giving me a thumbs up or some other gesture with their fingers. <laughs> Give me a little honk, maybe a little, you know, and I just stood out there. And about 20 minutes into this little ordeal, the manager from Planned Parenthood comes out and she comes out and she walks up to me and says, you can't be here, you need to leave. And I said, no. And she said, it's illegal for you to be on this property. You can't be here. I'm going to call the cops. I said, call the cops. I don't care. Now, here's what I didn't know. If it was illegal or not. I didn't know. <laughs> so I took a risk. So she goes back in and says, great, I'm going to call the cops. So she goes back in. So I called Jennifer, my wife, and I said, hey, hon. She said, hey, hon, what are you doing? I said, well, <laughs> um, I might get arrested. <laughs> so that's why we have pictures because she pulled into the parking lot and the kids are in the back and they're like, what are we doing here, mom? She's like, well, your dad might get arrested. So I just thought we'd capture it. So, so uh, you can see on the bottom left-hand picture, there, the Planned Parenthood is on the far left there and then there's that white car. I'm right next to the white car and then the close-up on the top there, the cop comes. So Chandler PD, sure enough, shows up and Chandler PD walked up to me and said, hey, what are you doing? I held up my sign and I said, this is what I'm doing. And he said, um, okay, well, they don't want you here. And I said, well, I'm gonna be here. It's my first amendment right, I can be here. And the guy said, okay, well, it's a strip mall, so let me go inside, we'll figure this out. He's in there for 45 minutes. I literally am thinking, what's jail like? I don't know. Um, you know, well, what does that feel like? And how, how's that gonna work? And so he finally comes back out. He comes back out and says, all right, I talked to the owner of the strip mall. See, Planned Parenthood doesn't own the strip mall. They're a renter. And he said, I finally got a hold of the owner. And the owner said, well, what is he doing? He said, well, he's standing about 50 feet away with a sign. Is he blocking the entrance? No. Is he causing a commotion? Doesn't seem like it. Well, what's he doing? He's just standing out there with a sign. The owner said, let him stand out there. So, so the cop comes out and he says, listen, you can stand out there, it doesn't matter to me. Like, if you wanna stand out there, stand out there. I said, okay, I'm gonna stand out here. So that happened, I finally left. That was in July, let's say. In August, I have a, a first chapel of the year for our students, and I share the story as well. Outside of my dealings, there happened to be at the same strip mall, a plan for churches and organizations, pro-life organizations in October to get together and actually have a protest. And so this is what happened a, a couple months later at the same strip mall. And we had dozens and dozens of high school students show up to this simply because I said, we can do it. Now, here's what's frustrating to me. Can I be honest with you? What's frustrating to me is I wonder how many other people before me 
had a sign out trying to peacefully protest only to be met by the same manager telling them something that wasn't true and they left. Why? Because we fear man. And guys, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of fearing man because I have to meet my creator one day. And I just wonder if God and I are gonna have a conversation that, that goes along the lines of why did you fear those people? Well, God, you don't understand. I think he does understand. So I'm not, I'm not, listen, you know your own situation. You really do. I just think too many of us lean on, well, what would happen if? There was a school in Kentucky just last week. They hold to a biblical worldview and a biblical view on sexuality. They had an assignment where they had their kids do something on biblical sexuality. And guys, I'm just here to tell you, it got out, it leaked out to the community. They're trying to shut the school down right now. A private Christian school, they're trying to shut it down because it's countercultural. Now is the time, folks, to share God's favor. Absolutely. Where are we going to do it? Wherever you want, okay? Um, Calvin says this, a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet will remain silent. Are we remaining silent? So why do it? Where? Now, how do I do it? And the final thought is this, any way you want. Share God's favor any way you would like. We are all given such great gifts and abilities and talents and skill sets. Richard Niebuhr and Andy Crouch said this. They said, there are five responses that you can give to culture. You can be against culture. You can be above it. You can, Christ and culture in paradox. You can uh, be of culture. I like their last one. Christ transforms culture. Let's go out there and transform culture. Well, Greg, I, don't, I wouldn't even know how to do that. None of us do, other than the fact that I walk in God's strength, walk with his power, and God has gifted each one of us in our skill sets, passions, and the influences we have. Jennifer and I, I told you last time I was up here, we had a book come out, or it's coming out in July. We started a podcast two weeks ago. We don't know what we're doing, <laughs> but uh, every Wednesday we're on the radio sharing God's favor with people. You gotta be kidding me. Tina Schuler. Our women's ministry director, I don't know if she, Tina's here. Are you here, Tina? Tina makes cupcakes. They're delicious. You don't think that every time Tina serves up a cupcake, she has an opportunity to share God's favor with people? Her sons and daughter, her son and daughter, Michaela, just sang the national anthem at Diamondback Stadium. You don't think when Michaela Schuler, who's a college student, walks out onto the field and somebody says, man, you have such an unbelievable voice. Where'd you get it? How'd you get the, where'd you get the skill set? You don't think she proclaims God's favor to people? Of course she does. Ryan's sitting there. He's now a singer. Logan Kelly just graduated from Valley Christian. He's the kid there on the left. That's like a thousand feet. He just pole vaulted like 500 feet. I don't know. That... <laughs> he won state for like the eighth, fifth year in a row, whatever it is. Logan also sings worship. He leads worship. He got a full ride scholarship for pole vaulting to Ole Miss. <laughs> Guys, who is going to win pole vaulters to the Lord? You? Me? <laughs> right? Logan Kelly's going to win pole vaulters to the Lord because he gets them and they get him and they respect the heck out of him because he's phenomenal at it. Right? What, what has God gifted you with? How will you do it any way you'd like if we take this posture? I'm a Christian who happens to be a pole vaulter. 
I'm a Christian who happens to be an engineer, who happens to be a pilot, who happens to be a stay-at-home mom or dad, whatever your situation is. If I live my life as a Christian and walk into today saying, God, whomever I come in contact with, I'm not gonna be rude. I'm not gonna be aggressive. I'm just gonna be the person you've called me to be, and when the questions come, why are you content during grief? Why are you so joyful in pain? Why do you seem to have this countenance about you? I will proclaim you. I say that, guys, because I love what J. Warner Wallace said. He said the gospel is the cure for selfishness, for division, for self-obsession. The gospel shines light on all that is broken, and fallen in our human nature. And it points us to Christ who can heal the soul. You want healing in this land? You want healing in your community? It's the gospel. It's us sharing God's favor with others. So I'll end with the awesome Bill Miter. In every age to come, in the age to come, God's favor will be on full display. Believers from every generation will live in the perfect, unending, glorious favor of God for all eternity. We're living on the purple, right? But right now we've got a job to do. Let's go do it well and then enjoy God's favor. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. God, thank you that we get this opportunity. I know it's, it's fearful at times. God, I know it can be awkward. I know it can be difficult. I know it can even be volatile. I think of the many men and women, Father, who stood up and it cost them their lives, known as martyrs. Father, for most of us, that's not gonna be the case. Most of us, Father, actually will have this wonderful opportunity to share your favor with others and see the results in our lifetime. A son or a daughter, a brother or a sister, a coworker, a neighbor, a friend, a teammate, come to know you personally. And the fact that we get to play a part in that, oh my goodness. This side of heaven, Father, I can't thank you enough for giving your demonstrated delight my way. And for those who know you, Father, for their way, may we be about the business this Memorial Day weekend of sharing your delight with others. And to that end, Father, we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, folks. We'll see you next week. We start a, a new series on the parables, so come back.